Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Well, this is Thanksgiving Marathon Weekend. How many Thanksgivings have you gone to? Two? Pastor Isaiah went to four. And we're all wearing our big shirts today. I don't know if you can tell that or not. We had a, uh, a few culinary emergencies at our house. Uh, the internal temperature of our turkey reached 400 degrees. I don't know a lot about cooking, but I know that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Sherry pulled the turkey out. And we both just kind of looked at it. I don't think turkeys are supposed to look that way. So it was, it was turkey jerky. Thank you. So anyway, we're still talking about Thanksgiving today. And Pastor Rich did a great job in talking about Thanksgiving last week. And he said that it can be a state that you live in, not just a day, but a state. And so we are going to look into that a little bit further today and talk about Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to rush through my to-do list. Any to-do list checkers out there? Well, there's a danger in that. You just go from one list to one list to one list. So when Thanksgiving's over, you have this huge, what, Christmas to-do list to do now. So how many of you have your Christmas decorations up already before Thanksgiving? See, these are your obsessive compulsives and they need prayer. <laughs> I am so used to checking off my list. Uh, if I'm not careful, I'm going to do that with birthdays, holidays, celebrations, and life just going to be one long to-do list. And Thanksgiving is about pausing. It's about taking a break and just realizing what the Lord has done for you. If you don't do that, sometimes your peace is stolen by all the activity that you're going through, and everything starts to seem like a duty and a responsibility. I have to do this. I have to go to mom's house, dad's house. I have to go to Uncle Carl's house, Aunt Myrtle's house. Everybody's got a party, and you feel that obligation to be there. And if you don't watch it, you, you've pushed out the real reason uh, for these celebrations. Being thankful is being conscious of benefits received. Did you know there was a difference between being thankful and grateful? Being thankful lasts for just a moment. Someone holds the door open to you, you say thank you. Someone answers your question, thank you very much. But grateful is just a little bit different. It tends to have an emotional attachment to it. Grateful happens on a much deeper level and has feelings attached to it. When the Lord heals my body, I am more than thankful. I am deeply grateful. On your wedding day, you are deeply grateful for the love of your life that you're about to marry. At least you're supposed to. <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Honest, I don't know anything. Okay. On Christmas morning when you're celebrating the birth of Jesus and you finally get that Red Ryder BB gun that you've always wanted, you are deeply grateful. 
There are two keys to being grateful, and they're simple. That's good, because that's what I get, simple. Focus and repetition. What do you think on, and how often do you think on it? That has a lot to do with what your mind feeds on and what grows in your spirit. I wish I could say that I am the one that always focuses on the good, but I'm not. I'm the one that picks out, you know, well, everything's great, but this 1% over here, uh, that needs to get a little better before I can be happy. Oh, anybody relate to that one? Uh, how about a long drive? You're driving somewhere, maybe on the way home from work or to work, and your work situation isn't what you would like your work situation to be like, or maybe you just had an argument with somebody, and all of a sudden you start to argue with that person in your head, come up with all these really great points and arguments that you'll never remember when you're actually talking to them. I've been there. By the time I get home after my seven-minute drive, I am fit to be tied sometimes. If you find the good and replace the negative, it will have a way of changing your world. It's about perspective. Helen Keller said, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man that had no feet. It's about perspective. Last week, Pastor Rich did a great job in painting that picture for us about the poor of America and third world countries look at us in America and our poor as being rich. It's about comparison and reality. If you really think about it, we have a lot to be grateful for. And when you do think about what you do have to be grateful for, peace returns. When you drop the comparison of what everybody else is doing on Facebook, what everybody else, they've got this really cute little picture that you can't get over and is driving you crazy. When you drop that, all of a sudden you are who you are and you're grateful for what the Lord is doing in your life. Your peace starts to return. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. And why does he trust in you? Because his mind is stayed on him. It kind of, it's a circle. The more you integrate gratefulness into your life, the easier, the more routine it will become. It can be a habit. It's just like anything else. You have to practice it. Do you remember the first time you tried to play baseball? Anybody out there? Any old guy? have to remember how you have to stand and, and how the ball hits you in the head sometimes. You know, that, it's not great, you know, but you got there. How about ice skating? That made a deep impact on me. Any ice skate, boy, that ice is hard. So it's not always easy when you first start, but as you begin to practice it, it becomes a habit. As you apply the habit of finding the good in life and truly being grateful, it won't be long before you notice a change. If you don't get anything out of this message, read Psalm 100. Say Psalm 100 for me. One more time. Read it. This is actually titled A Psalm for Thanksgiving. And it says this. Make a shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made you. I got all preachy there and I forgot where my point was. <laughs> Enter his courts with, courts with thanks, gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures for all generations. If you're having a tough time being thankful, read Psalm 100. That will put you back in center. That will really hone in on the fact what do I really have to be thankful for? Read that psalm, and you'll know what you need to be, have thank, be thankful for. Thanksgiving is a time of reflection of how good has been to us this year. What has he done for us in 2023? Let's just pause just a moment. We don't need to eat the turkey, fall asleep, and watch football. We need to be thankful for what the Lord has done, truly done for us. What major obstacle was in your way? but now is no longer there. Who came to the Lord? Is your relationship with your family and friends improved? Is it closer than it has been? How has tithing affected you? Whenever you start to tithe, that opens the door to God's blessings. What blessings has the Lord brought to your life as your act of humility and obedience to his word by saying, this is yours I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to be obedient. God says, great, here's some more. Yeah. And it's not just about money. I want to be real clear about that. Whenever you are humble and obedient to the Lord, he starts to bless every area of your life. Not just your bank account, every area of your life. It's that peace and contentment that you seem to be walking around with all the time. How did that happen? Well, you were obedient. You put God in his heaven and you stayed here on earth and he'll take care of the rest. And as you do that, as you are grateful for the things that he has done, as we set this into place in the habit of praise and thanksgiving, being grateful for what the Lord has done in our lives today, you will see an immediate change because it works. As I reflect on Psalm 100, I'm struck with where it starts. Do you remember? It starts by mentioning joy, with gladness, coming into his presence with singing and knowing that he is God. There is such a peace in that statement, but it comes with the first step of knowing who God is and admitting that we are not him. Hello. <laughs> wow, we can... We can get off on that one. We won't. In other words, our key to resting in his arms in peace starts with humility. I am the sheep of his fold, not the other way around. And by the way, he is a good, good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He always, look at Psalm 23. He leads me beside uh, quiet waters to, to pasture. He provides for me. He gives me a place. He anoints my head with oil. His presence is with me. That's the picture of a good shepherd, how he shepherds us along the way. He is a good shepherd. Have any one of you heard of the idea of a memorial offering? Has anyone heard that? Well, Thanksgiving, at the root of Thanksgiving in Hebrew, means to cast or to throw. Not throwing chicken or having a food fight but meaning to throw thanksgiving his way without strings attached. Just throw praises his way. Have no agenda. 
like the worship team this morning. Man, was that terrific. That was just awesome. Give it up for the prayer uh, worship team. They were awesome. That's throwing praise with no strings. Some people connect being thankful to the idea of a memorial offering, but that's up to you. I just want to give you the idea. It can be quite powerful in breaking through a bondage in your life. If you seem to be repeating something in your life, how can I get victory on this? Make a memorial offering, and it's more than just the money. It's you making focusing on Jesus and making a commitment. I'm not going to keep this money. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to make it a memorial offering. Giving to God is more than just what we give on Sunday. There are tithes and offerings and gifts. You read the New Testament, they, they talk about money quite a lot. But it's not about the money, it's about the condition of the heart. And when you give that up, the Lord starts to open things up for you. When you do this, you're saying, I'm all in. I believe what God says. I stand on his word. It's quite personal. It's not something you brag about. It's just something you do. And I'll leave that with you. Your praise is something to guard. It is something precious to the Lord. And it's the first thing Satan tries to steal from you. I find it interesting that the first thing the Lord gives you is joy. And the first thing Satan does is try and steal that joy. Follow that. See where that takes you. Your praise is so important, especially through Christmas. It's a holy time. It's not just about presents. It's about celebrating Jesus. And you can't celebrate if you're not grateful for what you've received. He, Satan wants you to be preoccupied. Numb. Anyone been there? You're so worried you got numb. Worried. Stressed. Fearful selfish. I know I'm stepping on somebody's toes. That's right. He wants you depressed and disengaged. So today we're talking about fighting seasonal depression. Seasonal depression can be caused by a decrease in sunlight, a disruption in sleep patterns because of the decrease in light, or emotional trauma. Up to 10% of the population suffer from seasonal depression, but let's be honest, after Christmas, we kind of get the blues. Here's some good news for the ladies, sarcasm. Four out of five people who get seasonal depression are women. So guys, let's be nice to the ladies during the winter months because they might need it. There's a physical side to this as well. I don't want to push that off to the side. If you feel like it's a physical thing, please talk to your doctor. But today we're talking about the spiritual side of it. How does Satan steal your joy? Concentrating on your losses? Haven't you? I'm still thinking about the stuff that happened when I was a kid. I want to get mad at him. How can I, how can I beat him up? I don't know. I'm bigger now. I think I can do it. You know, <laughs> focusing on that and not getting past it. Concentrating on your losses, getting your eyes focused on the wrong things, all the trappings of Christmas, the to-do list. Activities are nice, but they're not necessary. If we had nothing to celebrate Christmas with, we could still have a holy and blessed Christmas because it's not about the stuff. 
It's about the who. It's about what he's done for us, how he's saved us, how he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's where we start Christmas. And so a quick side note, the decorations that I put up is only the manger because everybody else has the Santa, the elves, the whatever. Man, it's crazy. They have the Grinch out there. I, and I see everyone else is putting that up, which is fun. It's great to see that. But I want my Christmas decorations to say one thing. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Thank you. Here's something that uh, Satan tries to get his hook in you and pull you away from the presence of Jesus, and it's not forgiving. Remembering those old grudges. I'm a champion at that. Like the fact that my oldest, my oldest brother wrapped up a pair of my pants and gave it to me for Christmas. I have to let that go. Let it go, let it go. Good. <laughs> if God can forgive me, I can forgive others. That's a big part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others. Corey Tin Boom a concentration camp survivor of World War II said this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and handcuffs of hatred and breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackledness of selfishness. The forgiveness of Jesus not only takes away our sin, it takes them to a whole, it takes them as if they had never been. How do we conquer these obstacles? Just a few thoughts. Replace old traditions with new ones. If you used to be with somebody and they're not here anymore and they always put up the tree, ask somebody else to put up the tree, you know. Maybe skip the tree this year. It's not about the tree. It's about Jesus. Realize God still has a plan for you and let it go. Actively talk to him like you would a friend. You don't have to have churchy type words to communicate with God. The these, the thous, all that. He just wants to know what you're feeling from your heart. Those greatest ways of communication are just being open and honest with the Lord. You could be driving down the road and saying, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. I need your help. That's the way he wants you to communicate with him. Avoid being alone too much at Christmas time. Find a way to be around people. It might look like stalking at first. But find a way to get next to people. Pastor Mindy says this. You've heard her say it often. When the devil isolates, he dominates. If he can get you thinking, we don't love you anymore, you don't have a place in big church anymore. I don't like this crew anymore. Something happened and now I'm mad at them. If he gets you in that place, you're isolated. Then Satan starts to work on those negative thoughts. Starts getting that bicycle of negativity out and you're just pedaling away. That's how he pulls you away from the body. By the way, that's a great reason to join a crew so that you don't do life alone. You do life together. There's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. I check it every week. I know if you're signing up. 
Give of your time. This is one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. And I didn't learn it. I learned it from a friend. They were going through a tough time and they learned to volunteer for a charity, to not make it about themselves. They're going through so much. They're just going through so much. Have you ever gotten tired of talking about your problems? Have you been going through something and it's so big, you're just, you're just tired of talking about it? Go help somebody else. Get the focus off of you and help somebody else. Why? Because when you lift them up, you'll find that you're lifted up. You start to smile again. You've given. And to give is better than to receive. Why? Because it feels so good. And it lifts your spirits. You can serve big church, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. Anywhere from big kids to the cleaning crew. Uh, just let us know. We'll plug you in. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, A man who, con- who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel mind, a cruel man hurts himself. This is one of my guiding principles in life. The way I interpret it for myself is when you are kind to others, you nurture your own soul. When you're, when you're mean to others and don't want to show your receipt to the little old lady at Walmart as you leave the store, which I've done, <laughs> you've just chipped off a little bit of the good in your soul, okay? God's going up to, oh, man, I can't, what? Uh, so that happened. <laughs> That's when I started to remember this. Be careful how much TV you watch. Can I get an amen? amen? Whether it's YouTube, I'm a big YouTuber. I love watching YouTube, but I can spend hours just following that thread to the next story, to the next thing, whatever. I find my joy decreases when I do that. And if you're a little bit sad and you get on the wrong thread, that could take you down the wrong path. So watch how much TV you're watching. Get out of the house. Take a walk. Start remembering what the Lord has done for you. Being grateful. Remembering what the Lord has done for you and being grateful is not only the key to being happy, but it's the key to faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means we have to hear something. We have to hear those stories of our own faith, of our own victories. Speak it out loud. Recount what the Lord has done for you. As we recount what he's done for us, we have the faith in knowing that he's going to do the same thing today. And he'll be enough for us tomorrow and today as he was yesterday. That's why it says in Deuteronomy 4.10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. When the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I might let them know to hear my word so that they might learn to fear me all the days of their life, that they will live on the earth and then that they might teach their children. Remember the things the Lord has done for you. Here's a point of hope. Why is it important to remember? Because God is no respecter of persons. That's old churchy talk for God treats everybody the same way. If he's done something for one person, he'll do that very same thing for you. Look at all the people the Lord restored in the Bible, how he has saved them from whatever, you name it. 
He saved Jeremiah from the pit. He saved King David from himself. He can save us from ourselves. And that gives me hope. I am the sheep of his fold. I have been adopted into his family. I am now his son, and he is a good, good father. That's great if you didn't have a good father. If your role model wasn't particularly all that great, boy, our father is, our heavenly father is. He'll work you through all that. He'll get you back to where you need to be. He's a good father. Having said all of this, I know that there's a pain that takes you to a new level that overshadows everything that you do. I felt it last week when I was praying for the body. That there's pain in the house. I felt it. I was praying for you in pre-service. And the Lord led me to pray that way and it hasn't left me. Because there's a pain that overshadows all the good. There's a pain you can't shake. It's whatever in your life and you're finding it to focus, hard to focus. You can be happy for a moment and you forget about it. As soon as it's over, you remember it. Before you go to bed, while you're brushing your teeth, you remember it. You try and let it go. You pray, you're good for a minute, then you hit the bed and you spend hours thinking about it. Has anyone ever done that? I've done that. Thanks for all the support, by the way. That's just awesome. Uh, you'll find that some of you are basically agreeing with everything I say, but you're kind of arguing with me. Uh, have you ever argued with a pastor uh, up there speaking? I get that. I can see that in some of your eyes, uh, but that's okay. Uh, the Lord is going to take you where you need to go, uh, but I just want to tell you that no matter how hard you try sometimes, if you haven't dealt with this pain, no matter how many Christmas carols you sing, no how many Christmas parties you go to, that you can't get there, what do you do with that kind of pain? Speaking from personal experience, you have to look up. You have to start by saying, Father, I am who I am. I am weak, and here I am. It's okay to cry. No one here is going to tell you that your feelings are illegitimate. But if I'm not careful, I'll slip into the habit of looking down instead of up. Focusing on the negative and not the positive. What we are going to offer you today are steps to get closer to the Lord when you're ready. Every time I read Psalm 100, I get a true picture of who God is and his effect on me. And it starts with, I am his. The verb for thanksgiving, as I said before, means to cast praise. That means you have to get vocal with it. It's more than just knowing it. You have to get vocal about it, especially when you can't get there. When your praise, your praise can break through walls, tear down strongholds in your life, our praise speaks our faith out loud. When I praise, even with tears of sadness running down my cheek, I'm telling everybody in the room, seen and unseen, that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father above, and he will get me through. Because I didn't make me, he made me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
when I'm in pain and I'm swirling in doubt and confusion, here's my to-go-to verse. I don't know if you've ever argued with verses before when it's the exact opposite of what you're feeling and you don't want to hear what it's saying. If you say it anyway, those are, that's called fighting verses. That's how you get your spirit in line with the Holy Ghost, with what he's doing in your life, and you're aligning yourself with the word. Here's my to-go-to verse. Psalm 42, 11. You've heard it. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Got to pause right there. That's where I really, I really connect with this verse. Because I'm so mad, I can't read this scripture right. Why are you so disturbed within me? Why are you so angry? Why are you so ad- mad? I am there. Thank God for the second half of this verse. Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here's my hope. Because he will yet save me again. That's my go-to verse. And I, I repeat it like a mantra. And that breaks something in the spiritual world. It breaks something in me. It breaks the atmosphere around me. You ever see somebody all gloomy and glummy walking into the room? They have an atmosphere. <laughs> How about the opposite? When they're full of love and joy, they have an atmosphere. This kind of scripture is what you can pray into the face of your fear. Pray into the face of your doubt. God has placed these words in our Bible for comfort and healing and companionship. And as the band makes their way to the front, I want to tell you a little story. Years ago, we were going through a rough patch, Sherry, Amy, and I. Someone broke into our house while we were at church of all places, stole valuables, killed our two wiener dogs, Sammy and Sully, and burned out our house. Okay, that was a bad day. What was so funny, in looking back on it, we're driving home from church, and we're going through these other trials, not even getting to the house part. Sherry says, you know what? I think things are going to turn around for us. (laughs) I really feel like things are going to start looking up. Those words were, were hanging in the air when the phone rang and my best friend said, uh, your house is on fire. What? Is this a practical joke? Come on, right? You're joking. He said, no, your house is on fire. I'm there now. So we go. There's a house on fire. The whole neighborhood's looking at it like a praise going by. And we're watching everything that we own go up into flames. They carry our puppies out. I don't know if you love pets or not, but that hit me hard. So after that process, after the fire is out and you thank the firemen for coming, you spend the night with the only clothes that you own now, the only shoes that you have, the only socks that you can wear, and you go back, and it's ugly. It's black. Ceiling's black. The walls are black. Everything in it's black. 
I hate that. I love light. I love being out in the sunshine. And when you put me in a place like that, it's hell. It's hell for me. And I was walking through the house looking for things that we can salvage. Here's the beautiful part. I hated going there. But God sent somebody every day that I went in, and it was random. No one knew what I'd show up. Every day, 100%. He sent somebody there to walk through that house with me. And isn't that Jesus? When you're walking through your black, smoky hell, God will send an angel to walk with you through that. That's how God gets us through. I remember going down to the basement and there was a hole in the floor. Water was still dripping through the hole in the floor down in the basement. I'm sifting through a career's worth of information and resources and I just start to sing. And as I sang, I felt the Holy Spirit there. I felt him lift me up. I no longer worried about what burnt or what I had lost. My family was okay. I was okay. The Lord had protected us by removing us completely. And he had given us something to sing about. In that darkest, darkest of times, the reason why I share that is because I often forget that story. And I am frightened at the sight of the new giant that I'm facing. When I have forgotten all the old giants the Lord had slayed in my path and made a way for me where there seemed to be no way. He's going to do that for you in this cold, dark, smoky hell that you might find yourself in. There's a way to have joy in the midst of all that destruction, and it starts with Jesus. It starts with being grateful for what he has done for you. If you would, please stand with me. And if you're grateful, why don't you come to the front and sing this song as a thank you to Jesus, just for him getting you through. Remember that this time is a great season, but let gratitude be the foundation of our Christmas season. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.